It's time to think bigger. Elias Pedersen scores! And think bolder. Matthew Kachuk, what a goal! This is Rintoul and Sermon. Another chance, great save by Markstrom. There is shot me back, great save by Timko. On the Sportsnet Radio Network. What's going on? Hope you're off to a great start on this Wednesday. We're going to make your day better. That's what we do. Some people are mad already. They're already mad. They're either mad at the expansion rules or they're mad they're finding out picks already. There's a pretty simple solution to both. Maybe not the expansion rules, but there is a different place to direct your anger. I'm enjoying this. Are you enjoying this, Karen? Uh, our day got a lot uh, more exciting, more fun today, Scott. There's how many bombs that we had dropped today? We've got them coming from all all the insiders in the NHL. Uh, didn't expect this this morning. I actually thought it'd be a little tighter lipped with how they wanted to go ESPN and our network, Sportsnet, and the NHL with trying to release all these. But Frank Saravelli's in the lead, but we got to give others credit too because, man, oh, man, we are finding out how good possibly the Seattle Kraken team could be. Are we calling them F-bombs from Frank Saravelli? I feel like Friedman would have already <laughs> is, trademarked is that, that because Friedman breaking news would have already been an F-bomb, so maybe we don't go down that route. But, yeah, there are a bunch of picks that are out there already. And, look, here is my personal philosophy on all of this. If you do not want to know, if you don't want to know the score in a game, if you don't want to know who scored, if you don't want to know the expansion picks, don't be on social media. Nope. I'm not supposed to be in the business of don't listen to sports radio. But guess what? Our job is to trade in currency. And currency right now is what is happening in the National Hockey League with the expansion draft. And the question that was on everybody's mind coming into today, would the Seattle Kraken select Carey Price? That was the first question. You had questions about your own team. You had questions about what direction they take yeah. with others. Carey Price is not being selected, according to insiders. Now, what a twist it would be if some of this information was simply subterfuge and the inside sources that are giving the likes of Frank Saravelli and Chris Johnson and Elliot Friedman and the like this information were simply throwing them off course. Boy, would that throw a wrench into all of this. Chances are these guys don't go with this unless they know firsthand. I have no problem with it being out there. I think it's still going to make for an interesting discussion about Carey Price moving forward. Did they do the right thing, didn't they? I'm not surprised that they are not selecting Carey Price. Are you? Uh, no, Ron Francis, you asked me yesterday, Scott, who Ron Francis or who would uh, blink first? It looks like Ron Francis did. He was uh, probably seeing what uh, he could maybe get out of Montreal for not taking carry price. But my understanding is it sounds like um, maybe the injury issue was too much. Or, you know what, look at the other players that Seattle's not taking. Ron Francis has said his biggest asset in this entire thing was draft, oh, sorry, uh, flexible cap space flexibility with the cap and you look at names carry price not taking other big contracts maybe we shouldn't be surprised that 10.5 million dollar cap hit the 11 million dollar bonus oh just wasn't worth the risk for ron francis did he have to pay anything is the question we don't know that that we don't know we don't know if mark bergevin had to pay a draft pick to keep Ron Francis away from Carey Price? I think likely not. I didn't think that it was likely Ron Francis went in that direction. It was something they had to think about. It was something they had to consider. Kale Fleury appears to be the player that Montreal is going to lose off their back end. But we'll see where it goes from here. There are a lot of names out there right now. And there are complaints and there are gripes. We've already got one to the text message inbox. And you can get in at any time. Just because I disagree with you, 
just because you disagree with Karen doesn't mean we aren't going to read your text. We like debate on this program. So 969-66-56-50. What's the <laughs> point of doing the draft at 5 p.m. if we already know what the roster is by 1 p.m.? Well, it's the show. Do you want to see the show or don't you? Do you want to see the way that Seattle unveils its roster, even though you may know who some of those players are, if not all of the players, by that time? Yes or no? It's up to you. And as mentioned, if you really wanted this to be fresh content, I have no idea who Seattle's going to take. I've put my own draft list together. Let's see what it matches in with what Seattle actually does. Which way do they go? Then you shouldn't be on social media all of the time. Or, you know what, I mean, I guess at this point, Scott, listening to us for the rest of the day. Uh, you were very kind to people throughout the Euro 2021. You gave everyone disclaimer. Guess what? Too much stuff is coming in. That can't happen today. We're just going to let you know what is going on. It's coming in fast and furious. We've got a couple of more names right now, Scott. But what we do know is Carey Price is not heading to... The Seattle Kraken. <laughs> I just saw this out on Twitter. Could you imagine, though? And you, you mentioned it. Like, this is no bluffing from Ron Francis, right? Like, the players have been told. So they could, dis, like, dispute this if it got out there in social media. But could you imagine this is just Ron Francis going, nope, none of this is right. Surprise! Come 5 o'clock, I'm taking Carrie Price. I'm taking Vladimir Tarasenko. I'm taking Matt Duchesne. I'm taking Gabriel Landeskog. Like, could you imagine if this, that's what he did? I don't think it is. I think this is all real. But, yes, it's all about the show at 5 o'clock tonight. But if you don't want to know until then, sorry, two note. <laughs> if you want to get to the bottom of it, it's likely league sources opposed to something coming out of Seattle. Seattle's been very tight-lipped about agents. everything along the way. Whether it's agents, whether it's NHL front office, I have no idea. But these insiders are very tied in. So who else is being selected? Well, the first bit of news we got this morning was about free agents. We still don't have it confirmed as to whether the free agents that are going to sign with Seattle are in fact the picks, but likely that is the way it's going to go. We heard about Chris Dreger earlier this week, the Florida goaltender, that they're going to sign to a contract. He's a UFA. Well, they've got a couple of defensemen that they're going to do the same with. Adam Larson, who the Oilers wanted mm -hmm. back but was also likely the apple of the eye of other teams as well, not the least of which was the Vancouver Canucks. He is going to come to terms, by the sounds of it, on a four-year, $4 million per contract to go to Seattle. Does that mean he remains there? I don't know. Do they flip him? There's still a way to acquire these players. Jamie Alexiak, Dallas mm -hmm. Stars. We mentioned his name this week. Would they select him? Would they try to come to terms? Apparently, they have come to terms on a contract with Jamie Alexiak. So there's a couple of blue liners. Sounds like Vince Dunn will be the pick out of St. Louis. That's what I had speculated, but others said, no, you go get Vladimir Tarasenko, you use him as a trade chip, or you gamble on him being a high-end talent. Sounds like Seattle has bypassed Tarasenko as well and that they are going to go with Vince Dunn on the back end as they do what we, we actually expected them to do, try to load up on the blue line and acquire more assets there. Mark Giordano, yes, he is going to be the selection, in fact, for the Calgary Flames. That, to no one's surprise. I mean, that's not necessarily the top four, depending on what uh, they decide to go with with the rest of their picks, Scott. But, I mean, Vince Dunn, Adam Larson, Jamie Alexiak, Mark Giordano. Uh, some veteran players on that line. Some pretty good defensive defensemen as well. Vince Dunn, of course, RFA, going to have to get a deal done. Looks like they're not taking Jake Bean out of Carolina, Scott. So that's a name that is sticking with the Carolina Hurricanes. I think they're pretty happy with that because I think Jake Bean was rumored to be on the move, probably to Seattle. They've got Jeremy Lausanne from Boston. 
Hoffman, that pick defenseman just coming in, and you had mentioned earlier, Kale Fleury out of Montreal appears to be their pick. So it looks like what we talked about yesterday, they're not going to do that heavy assets of goaltenders at this moment. They realized the Vegas model, Scott, of yesteryears, was very beneficial for Vegas, and it looks like they're going that route. They're taking the most coveted position, and that's defensemen right now, and we don't know if all these guys are going to be here tomorrow. We don't know that. Four defensemen of the five trades that Vegas did the next day, sorry, four, four of the five trades Vegas did the next day were all defensive. So we have no idea if these guys are going to be in Seattle, but right now, if you want to take this for face value, they're loading up on a pretty good decor. Let's go through some of the other names that we know are out there. Vancouver is not going to lose Brayton Holtby in the expansion draft. Whether or not the Canucks choose to move on from Holtby, if some of those mm-hmm. rumored interest interested teams out there want to acquire him after this is all done, I guess we will wait and see. But it sounds like Cole Lind is going to be the pick out of Vancouver. Yep. Multiple sources, including Rick Dollywell, reporting that. Brandon Tanev from Pittsburgh is going to be the pick by the sounds yep. of things. The goalies that are going to be on their way, in addition to Dreger to Seattle. Vitek Vanacek in Washington. We saw him play quite a bit this year. There's their young, cheap goalie that you would think is going to be the tandem with Chris Dreger. Joey Decord is the other. We saw Joey Decord this year. We saw a lot of Ottawa goaltenders this year as they had injury issues in Ottawa. Joey Decord sounds like he will be the other goaltender that is selected in the expansion draft by the Vegas Golden Knights. So they stay away not only from Holtby and and Carey Price, they stay away from Capo Kakinen, which is somewhat of a surprise out of Minnesota. So we were talking about Carey Price and the $10.5 million cap it potentially going to Seattle. They go the opposite direction. If the if the contract is right, three at 10.5 for Dreger, so that's 3.5 per year. You get Vitek Vanishak out of Washington at a 775 grand. Joey Decord at 775 grand. Scott, right now their goaltending, if this is what a case stays at, is at $5 million. It just shows to me that Ron Francis, again, is just not wanting to get those big contracts on his books. He says cap flexibility is... Is key. He doesn't go big on the goaltenders. Five million dollar totals for three at this point. Obviously, he also say, sees the potential of being Dreger or maybe at some point Vitek Vanishak as being a number one goaltender. At least from what this list is telling me at this exact moment. Chris Johnson now reporting Nathan Bastian will be selected out of New Jersey, and we will trying to we'll be trying to compile a list. And this stuff is coming in. Fast and Furious, Ryan Clark reporting Jonas Donskoy is likely going to be the pick out of Colorado for the Seattle Kraken. I don't think that can be considered a surprise. It seemed that unless they were going to be able to come to terms with Gabriel Landeskog, which many insiders, including Friedman, had reported Mm -hmm. along the way, hadn't happened, that it was either going to be JT Comfer or Jonas Donskoy. It looks like the former Shark and now former Av is on his way to Seattle as well. There are things to be mad at here, and there are things not to be. And I understand the, hey, you're spoiling the party aspect of all this. I get that. I I understand why people wanted the big reveal to happen at the time. Very few things happen that way anymore, Karen. It's it's why live sports is able Mm -hmm. to maintain its hold on television properties the way it is because live sports unfolds right in front of your face, and very few things do anymore. Like, it's very difficult to have surprises and have things actually witnessed in real time anymore. So I understand that. What I don't understand is all the griping about the expansion rules already. I don't understand the griping about the ability to sign free agents before other teams. Are you trying to convince me that after years of following this league, and we, we've watched free agency work forever, that Adam Larson's camp or Jamie Alexiak's camp doesn't have an idea 
as to what, say, Vancouver or another team would offer. They have an idea. They know, and if they wanted to wait the way that it looks like Gabriel Landeskog is going to wait, Jaden Schwartz Mm -hmm. apparently talked to Seattle but didn't come to terms. These guys have an idea what their market is elsewhere. They know if they chose to sign with Seattle, so be it. And with the players that are selected and you're getting mad already because Seattle looks like it might have a pretty good blue line, might have a pretty good team, I can guarantee you this. These players were available to all other general managers if they wanted to pay the cost of acquisition. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. And whether that was because of their own protection list and not having another slot or whether it was because they felt the ask from these teams who are now losing these players in the expansion draft was too high at the time, these players were available because these teams knew they were going to expose these players and knew that it was a possibility they were going to lose them. Seattle had the ability, Scott, of one, that negotiation period. But again, like Seattle or Edmonton had offered Adam Larson something, and it was around the growing rate of 4 by 4 that he's getting for Seattle. So he just chose, no, I want a clean slate, which... I have questions about that within the Edmonton organization, but still, they had a flat cap to deal with as well. These general managers didn't help them in the expansion draft, probably decision on who they're going to protect or not protect, and the fact that Seattle, you know, had a clean slate. And what they've done now is they're cornering the market, and they're cornering the market at least with golds, with uh, defensemen. Like, the signing of Jamie Oleksiak, Scott, and the signing of Adam Larson just hampers other team on July 28th. And maybe those guys are traded to other teams for assets. We have no idea. But at this point, there's Seattle Kraken. And what Ron Francis is doing is basically cornering the market and asking for higher price. Like, he's going to actually demand a higher price for a lot of these guys because he's going to go all in on a position that is highly... Um, sought after in the NHL. I think it's shrewd business by Ron Francis. You don't have to like it. You can say, well, Seattle shouldn't be this good off the bat. Vegas shouldn't be this good off the bat. Hey, these are the rules in place. Gary Bettman loves parody. He doesn't want crappy expansion teams anymore. That's obviously apparent. And Ron Francis is doing exactly what's put put in front of him. I love it. I think it's great. There are a lot of different text coming in we want to get to them 960 960 650 650 i'll bet there's a side deal says jaron hope canucks trade holtby for dreger retain some cap mark my words that is the next piece of all of this the side deals coming in some of the names out there are surprising for example the philadelphia flyers we all thought were going to select or pardon me have selected either james van reemsdyke or yakov yeah. Now, Van Riemsdyk always looked like the smarter money because he makes less, he's under contract for only two more years, and he's been able to live up to that contract for the most part and a valuable asset scoring-wise that could be flipped at the deadline as well if things weren't going particularly well for Seattle. Instead, that's not what they're doing. They're going with... um, I don't know. Pardon me. I don't know his name. (laughs) Carson. Carson. Twarinski. So they're going with Carson Twarinski, RFA, left wing, low cost, makes seven hundred and seventy-five grand, just under eight hundred thousand dollars this year. So is there a side deal in place with the Philadelphia Flyers? Hey, we'll give you this if you stay away from JVR, for example. Mm-hmm. That yeah, exactly. we don't know. We don't know any of the side deals that might take place. We don't know about these players being flipped. You could talk about Seattle having all this defensive depth. Well, they're not going to take 13 attractive defensemen and keep them all under their umbrella. 
They're going to move some of them. Which ones? I have no idea. Are they going to retain money? Don't know. But they have the ability to do a lot of different things. And that's where Seattle was always going to be interesting because they have the asset that very few teams do, and that's all of the cap space, Karen. Here's a question that comes into the inbox, Scott, and this could be interesting, maybe something to ponder. With all these fiscally conservative moves, could the Kraken be posed to taking a run at Jack Eichel? That's an interesting position. We always thought that Buffalo wanted, you know, highly sought-after prospects and uh, picks, and I'm assuming they should too, but we don't know what picks are kind of coming back in any of these other side deals, so maybe the Seattle Kraken are trying to set themselves up to go for a run at Jack Eichel because they are going to have some extra draft picks for not going after, you know, a Jacob, Jakob Voracek or a Van Riemsdyk, or how about the fact that Car- that Carolina kept Jake Bean and they're taking Morgan Gecki instead? Like, is there something that... Um... I was going to say Rob Brindamore, but he's not the general manager. But it's something that Carolina is given to Ron Francis. So if you want to tune in tonight, there's where all you're going to find out your side deals. Scott, unless those get all leaked out later on today by Frank Saravelli and his F-bombs that are going to be put on this show. Uh, it's Hey, I like it. I think it's like a lot of people are probably going to say, well, should these be put out before tonight's show? But remember Adrian Wojnarowski back in the day? when he was with Yahoo Sports before ESPN picked him up, he would uh, he would say all the draft picks before they were actually going to be out there. ESPN picked him up. He wasn't allowed to exactly say which they were picking. He used to Sithoris and would say, they're focusing in on. They're likely going to take. They're very interested in. That's what Saravelli did to start this show and to start all this stuff. He's now just saying they're selecting. Like, he's totally moved on. He's like, no, it's selecting. Here you go. Morgan Geeky was a guy who had ties to the Washington area. He was the other player out of Carolina that many thought was at least under under watch from Ron Francis. Obviously, he knows that that organization very well. Morgan Geeky played for the Tri-City Americans. He's a WHL product, so there's a familiarity there. Jake Bean did seem to be the consensus pick around the National Hockey League, but maybe it's impacted by those free agent defensive signings. Maybe it's impacted by other defensemen they think they're going to be able to get more for. I have no idea. I guess that's somewhat of a surprise, but we're going to see some more unfold here throughout the course of the day. One of the funniest things I thought I saw today, because it feels hypocritical, I heard this from a Canucks fan. It's garbage that Seattle can talk to these free agents before other teams can talk to them first of all that denies the reality we all know exists in contracts being floated through agents and whispers and while we know karen no tampering ever occurs in the national hockey league i think most people have a pretty good understanding of how this all works the other part of it is this came from a canucks fan and what is the what is the complaint of many canucks fans well we don't want our general manager overspending in free agency so are you mad that the player didn't get to free agency for your general manager who you think overspends in free agency? Like, which of the beefs are you going to have right now? Maybe it's worth it to you to have another general manager sign a defenseman to a contract, and then you trade for that player as opposed to the other way around. I just see some hypocritical logic in all of this. Yeah, there absolutely is. I'm Mike in Calgary, Texan. I like this one, Scott. Calgary and Vancouver franchises should both move and then reapply for NHL franchises in a couple of years to build a team with depth overnight looking at the Seattle roster. I've seen a lot of people uh, texting in, tweeting in, oh, well, Seattle's going to finish 20 points ahead of Vancouver in the standings. 
it's making an initial rivalry with the Pacific Division, though, isn't it? Like, you look at just what happened with Edmonton and them signing Adam Larson. Well, okay, there's an initial rivalry with the Oilers fans. Calgary, they're taking Mark Giordano, and you can agree, you can like that move, or you not like that move, whatever the case is. Well, there's another rivalry. Vancouver, well, they didn't take Brayden Holtby. They're taking Colin. kind of who cares about that. In, if you're going to think long-term plans, like who knows what Colin's going to be in the NHL, but you're thinking Vancouver, well, they're going to have maybe a potentially better team than we have on the ice year one. Like, it's just natural rivalries with the Pacific North. Northwest and with the mountain te- mountain teams. This one comes in from Vance in the loop. So as of now, the Kraken are loaded with great D. I'd say so-so goalies, but no one to score. Wonder who they'll get to score. Eberly? Well, again, we haven't reported every name because there's so much out there right now, Vance. But yes, Jordan Eberly in the last hour, that apparently is going to be the selection from the New York Islanders. So there is one player. Yanni Gord is expected to be yep. the player that they honed in on early. That, to no one's surprise, we know how difficult it is to acquire centers. There are some... Not head scratchers, but a little bit of surprise. Joey Decord, for example, out of Ottawa. Everybody thought Mm -hmm. Chris Tierney was the smart play because of what I just mentioned. Centers are going to be difficult to to find. And what are the two premium positions among skaters? Defenseman and center. And if there are very few centers available on the market, well, you better find the ones that are. We'll see exactly what they do along the way. And we'll try to get you an updated list. We'll try to get you an updated list, but this stuff is coming in fast and furious. Yeah. Someone else texting in. They could have been paid not to take Jake Bean. We don't know that stuff yeah, yet. That... Yep. I've tried to reinforce yeah. that point, and we don't know what the side deals are, and we don't know how many of these players are going to be flipped to other teams. If there is a player, like Seattle sent out a memo. Seattle literally sent out a memo to every general manager in the league saying, you now see which teams you, – you've now seen who everybody is left unprotected. If somebody yeah. on those – on those lists is of interest to you, give us a call. Let us know what you'll do to have us select that player. That's the other part of the side deal business we're going to find out. Hey, I know you'd like to select player X from Carolina. Let's say we, we know you want to take Jake Bean, but we really want Morgan Geeky. If you take Morgan Geeky, we will send you this mm-hmm. in exchange for that player. I, that's just an example, but that sort of stuff is going to happen. Just to give, Scott, I'll just give a little list of what the big names are that we kind of know. So basically the goalies, as we said, are Chris Drieger, Vienna Second Decord, then the forwards are Jared McCann from Toronto. Very short-lived Toronto Maple Leaf uh, life from Jared McCann. Yanni Gord, as you said, Brandon Tanev gets reunited with Jared McCann from Pittsburgh. Colin Mason Appleton out of Winnipeg. Sorry, Canucks fans and Thomas Drance. He will not be coming to the Vancouver Canucks. Well, we don't know that. Maybe he will be flipped with Seattle. Jordan Eberle, Kelly Yonkrock, Vince Dunn, defenseman Adam Larson, Jamie Alexiak, Mark Giordano. The name's not being taken. And again, I think this just points to the fact that Either Ron Francis, Scott, he didn't have a trading partner to flip these guys because he didn't want to take on these contracts, but he took no big contracts so far. Like, none of the massive ones that teams left unexposed. Vladimir Tarasenko, no, not going to Seattle. Carey Price, no, not going to Seattle. Gabriel Landeskog, his rights were not taken. I don't know if they tried to negotiate with them and see what the possible terms were. Maybe Gabe didn't want to go to Seattle. Maybe he still really wants to stay in Colorado. Colorado we don't know but what we do know is he's looking for long term and money Ryan Johansson Matt Duchesne both staying in Nashville so it just shows to me that money 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 at least at this point is very key to Ron Francis and he wanted to give himself the flexibility to either go after some UFAs maybe go after a Jack Eichel maybe do something on January 28th flip some players but at this point we know that 
nope, he doesn't want big contracts in the expansion draft. Max Domi not getting selected out of Columbus. A lot of people thought it might be him. He only has one year left. Take a chance on a player who had 72 points a couple of years ago in Montreal. It's going to be Gavin Bayreather instead from Columbus. So there are some surprises here along the way. And as mentioned by multiple texters, by us on many occasions already this segment, Let's find out what some of these side deals are. Were they just straight-up mm-hmm. selections for financial flexibility? Were they side deals along the way? How many of these players are getting flipped? I think it's going to be fun. Here's a question we can throw out to you now. A lot of these names are coming out. Are you still going to watch? I most certainly am. No question about that for me. I'm watching yeah. for sure. What about you as a listener? Are you going to watch the Seattle expansion draft tonight? You can hit us up, 960, 960, 650, 650. You better watch this guy. He'll have Ron Francis on his show later today. He is Tim McAuliffe, and he joins us next on Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. At this rate, there will be nothing new to watch tonight. If the pace slows down or if they don't share the side deals through the day slash afternoon, then I'll tune in. That comes in from an unsigned texter. I'm watching tonight for sure. I want to see the show. I want to see the pageantry of what Seattle does. We've talked yeah. about some of the celebrities that are going to be involved, Karen. I think there's going to be some really unique ways that some of these picks are unveiled. We saw Kevin Weeks in the Pike Place fish market, getting the fish with the selection on it, and the Toronto Maple Leafs were the team being used in that. I kind of want to see all of that. I understand why people are a little aggrieved that this won't be revealed in real time, but to me it doesn't take away from the show that is going to be put on. No, I think it's going to be, we talked about it, it's Jerry Bruckheimer, it's Disney, it's ESPN trying to make a splash. Like, there's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance around it. And, if you know, if you're curious, hopefully by then, and maybe these won't get leaked out, like you'll get to find out what the side deals were made with other teams. I just want to see Macklemore perform downtown. Like, that's all I want to do. You and Jamie. <laughs> Did Jamie know which one that was? that the one song that he knew from Macklemore? <laughs> Jamie's enjoying a little... Much deserved time off, so I don't know if he's putting his feet up with a drink in his hand and watching the, the watching the expansion <laughs> draft tonight or not. That's exactly what one of the techs said. The legend that is Macklemore will be performing. Of course I'm tuning in tonight, yes. said one of our techs. Could Ron Francis be planning an offer sheet for a big RFA? Sure he could. With the way the cap space mm-hmm. is working out right now, and if you're unfamiliar with the limits that you had to hit, you couldn't go over the... The number, and they're not going to be anywhere near it based on the picks that are coming in. You couldn't go over 81.5 in making your selections, even though we all know that in the offseason you can be 10% over before you have to get cap compliant by puck drop on opening night. But you had to get to 60% in Seattle. Yes. Right now, they're not going to be a lot over 60% unless we see some big money come in late on some of their selections. It's Wyshynski who kind of did the math on this and said 26 of 30 have been taken here and they're hovering just under that 60% threshold. So they'll get there. It's just how much are they going to go over. But this fits very much, Karen, in Seattle with what we've heard all along. Financial flexibility was the number one concern. It was, and they haven't taken any of the big contracts so far. And you said, Scott, like, unless they take any more, I don't know which other big contracts are even really out there for them to take, at least in this expansion draft, because the biggest ones were passed on. Tarasenko, Price, Landeskog, Possibility, Duchesne, and Johansson. Like, those were the big eight-plus million dollars that we were looking at. But right now, they're at about uh, 47.4. They have to get to about 48.5 to get to that 60% range. Right now, what we know is, I believe it's 13 forwards, 10 defensemen, 3 goaltenders. That includes 
includes, if my understanding is correct, the Draeger contract and the Adam Larson contract. We don't know the figures yet on the Jamie Alexia contract, apparently, that they have in the books, but... <laughs> it's been a fun day so far figuring out who Seattle's going to take and kind of what their roster is going to look like. There might be a little bit of question, Scott, about who's going to put the puck in the net for the Seattle Kraken, but it looks like their defense is going to try and keep it out of the net. Tim McAuliffe is coming up with us momentarily, and he's going to have Ron Francis on at 6.15 Eastern or in and around there on his show. I wonder if the first question is going to be, are you mad, bro? <laughs> like that this all got out there? Is that going to be Tim's first question? Well, it doesn't sound to me like it's coming out of Seattle. I could be totally wrong on that. Maybe now that the selections are official, everything had to be in by 10 a.m. Eastern today. Maybe now that the selections are official, there were some people in Seattle who said, well, our work's done, we can give up a little bit of the information but the way that ship has been tight-lipped i kind of think it's either agents or nhl front office execs sources around the league finding out hey here's what's happening and then giving it to the nhl insiders right now we had the question coming in hey are these confirmed or are these just rumors well they're coming from the types of insiders that don't miss on this type of stuff at least they don't very often i don't think we've got 15 different Mac Jones, oh my God, it's Trey Lance scenarios unfolding here. I stand to be proven wrong. You said Tim McAuliffe said to join us. He now has to be introduced officially as best sports host, Canadian Screen yes. Award winner, Tim McAuliffe. How are you, sir? I think you have to add the uh, Screen Award winner to the end of that sentence because it didn't sound right, just best sports host. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the award and run with it because, as you guys know, uh, shows like ours where you grind every day don't normally win awards like this, so I will take it and run as fast as I possible. I'll Andre the Grass this ish, but uh, I don't know if best sports host is very fitting. Yeah, I'm just Googling these awards. I'm, I'm not familiar with the concept, but we'll move on from that. Tim McAuliffe joining us here. We have, Neither was I, my friend. We have some Neither people aggrieved. We have some people aggrieved that this information is coming out now. I'm still watching the yeah. show tonight. Are you still watching the show tonight? I'm there for the pageantry. I'm also there for the intrigue of side deals, which we may or may not learn throughout the day and may or may not learn on this program tonight. Yeah, I just I feel like uh, I feel the fans' pain. Uh, I understand why, like it's spoiler alerts, right? Like it's like we've we've got to spoiler alerts, and those of us who watch basketball enough know that this happens all the time. Like if you follow Adrian Wojnarowski or Shamstra, like I'm convinced ESPN was forced by the NBA to hire Adrian Wojnarowski because he was ruining every draft by mm -hmm. tweeting out who was drafted before they were drafted, <laughs> and the the only way we can stop this is by getting him on our team. Um, there's a lot of spoiler alerts out there, and I feel like it would have been very cool to see and the Seattle Kraken selects from the Montreal Canadiens pause, wait, wait, and now we're learning that it's, it's not Carey Price. Uh, it is Flurry. It is where we thought they might go, and that Mark Giordano, like, it's just, it, it feels anticlimactic. Sure. It does. Now, for what we do for a living, it's a lot of fun to kick this around throughout the course of the day. And with some of the selections, there is the obvious, okay, what's the side deal here? Because they stayed away from player X and player Y, and they went with a player that nobody had on their radar. So what's the side deal here? It's going to be interesting to see if some of these players are flipped. 
Carey Price, in your opinion, did they make a mistake by not taking him? No. No, I think there is uh, a lot of reasons why you take Carey Price, and I'm not so sure that building a hockey team was the highest on that list. And I know that Marc-Andre Fleury worked out for Vegas, and he worked out really well for Vegas. Uh, Carey Price has been... Um, an average regular season goaltender for four years now. And he's only getting older and it's ten and a half million against the cap. And I know that the recency bias points to a fresh carry price in a playoff bubble and or um, in, the, in making a run to the Stanley Cup and, and full credit. But you need another goalie to do that. And they had already walked down the road of Chris Drieger. And if you were going to do that with Drieger, whose numbers in the regular season were much better, I'm not saying he's a better goalie than Carey Price. They were much better than Carey Price in the regular season. And um, to spend $14 million on goalies in a time where cap space is remarkably valuable. And Ron Francis said as much. I think we all should have and could have seen the writing on the wall uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. Carey Price. But I get why you take him. He's a great goalie. He's a wonderful human being. He'd be a great face of the franchise, and he would probably sell a lot of jerseys. But strictly on the ice, you were going to need, I don't know, like a Jake Allen <laughs> to spell him for much of the regular season if you hope to have um, – you know, the carry price that we saw in the postseason. He needs to, he needs a lot of help to get there and be fresh. And some of that was just circumstance with the Habs. I mean, he had a couple injuries that allowed him to rest. And I think we saw that. Now, we also think we saw a little of him. I mean, listen, the Lightning are great, but I think we saw a little of him come back down to earth at the end of those playoffs because he was tired uh, from carrying his team to the Stanley Cup final. And I just think if you're building a team from scratch, the soon-to-be 34-year-old with a $10.5 million cap hit, even if it's Carey Price, is very tough to start with. Tim, I'm looking at these lists and assuming they're all correct, which I assume they are. I was more taken with the fact of the, the names that they didn't take, and that includes Carey Price and his massive cap hit, but it also includes Vladimir Tarasenko and his massive cap yeah. hit. It also includes Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne and their massive cap hits. So for me, I think I, I think it speaks to Ron Francis understanding how valuable his cap flexibility is, and he mentioned that. like He said that's his biggest currency is his cap flexibility. Also, I think in the fact that other GMs were just not – willing to give up a lot of assets to have Ron Francis take these players. One of the two, but to me, is that one of the things that stuck out to you is just no big contract so far from uh, Ron Francis. Yeah. And it's boring, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it, I, I know why fans wanted to see the Tarasenko's and the Carey Price's and the Duchesne's and the Johansson's and the PK Subans of the world. But, uh, you know, logically speaking, uh, Ron Francis has to build a winner long term. The only thing that I thought maybe, and you guys can weigh in on this, is is that that division isn't the greatest division in hockey, and they could be good right away. And I wondered if they were going to be seduced into that. And I I felt like Ron Francis didn't take the bait. Did you not feel like that, Karen? Like there was bait yeah. out there that GMs wanted him to take, and he didn't fall for it. 
Oh, absolutely. I just think it's, and I mean, maybe the ask, he was like a, you know, a one and a third, like a first and a third. And GMs are just like, no, no, I understand the value of having that cap, that number off my cap, but I can't also give away a first round draft pick just for you to take that. Like, I'm going to need that in a flat cap era. Right. Or I can make that deal somewhere else. And that's what the Leafs did. Right. The Leafs made a deal where they picked up a similar player to the one that they thought they were going to lose and then ended up losing that player and, and lost it for less than they would have if they had asked the Kraken, at least if we're uh, listening to the reports that are out there, like a first and a third to keep Alexander Kerfoot. And instead they play, they paid a seventh and a prospect to lose Kerfoot. And I, there's a bunch of Leafs nation that's really confused on why the new guy is gone. Like this was simple. It was always going to be McCann or Kerfoot Take your pick, Ron Francis, and he took McCann. Tim McAuliffe joins us here as he does every single Wednesday. I don't know if we're going to get the honest in the box or not. I hope we do, but I still want to talk <laughs> NHL here for a second, Tim, because all of this is breaking, and there are rumors out there about possible side deals right now. Not a lot of them confirmed, but I'm intrigued by this throughout the course of the day. I mentioned that anger as well about Seattle being good that you just referenced. Hey, in this division, who knows? And there's some jealousy involved. There's some anger involved. My point all along has been if you're upset, you should be upset with your GM or GMs that came before because you know what they've had? They've had years to draft, develop, trade, sign and it hasn't worked out if you're aggrieved at this point in time are you with that point of view or are you more on the side of these guys shouldn't be allowed to be good i was aggrieved with the way that vegas was so good so quick while fan bases everywhere including canada had suffered through so much um and once you give that opportunity to vegas uh, which is ridiculous even now that they don't lose a player to this expansion draft. <laughs> like every possible break that they could get. And Ron Francis is paying for all the mistakes that were made with George McPhee. And there were a ton of them. And I think that a lot of the GMs here learned, like they paid George McPhee to take Shea Theodore. They paid George McPhee to take Jonathan Marcheseau. And these ended up being stars for his team. I mean, I, I truly believe that a lot of GMs were just like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this list out. I'm going to swallow hard and try and come out the other end uh, as, as quickly as I possibly can. But we're not paying to take Alex Tuck, right? Like some of the best Vegas players, the teams paid Vegas to take them and then would have won them back a year later if they had the chance. So, Theodore, Marcheseau, Tuck, um, those three names are living large right now, and I feel like that's what's going on. And it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how many side deals there are, Scotty, because I don't know if there's going to be as many as there were. I don't know if there's going to be as many with, hey, stay away from our player side deals. I do wonder how many side deals are being made for possible acquisitions that teams have said, if you pick that player, we'll give you X to get said player. And that's why some of these players are being selected. I think that's part of the intrigue here as well. The other part of the, hey, Vegas doesn't have to give up a player. I don't know how many owners around the National Hockey League are giving however million, how many millions back, because Vegas didn't get a cut of the money. But blame your owner. Don't blame Bill Foley for negotiating that in. And I heard the other point made that was with the salary cap bind Vegas finds itself in, maybe they'd like Seattle to take a contract off their books. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's part of this. I, you know what's funny is Ron Francis is coming on the show live today, mm-hmm. uh, the Seattle Kraken GM, and I really have no idea what to ask him. Like, you can't comment on any of this ish that it's floating right now. And, uh, hey, you're not taking Carey Price, wink, wink, nudge. Not like, what? I It's, how are you building the team, Ron? Like, this could be the most awkward interview that I've ever done in my life. Hopefully he says the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much for the best sports host, eh? Like, what the hell do I say to Ron Francis besides... Uh, I mean, I guess we can talk about how he's building the team and how he sees it, and and it looks like uh, salary salary cap space really means a lot to this team. Um, and it looks like maybe there's a few, like you're saying, Sky. There's there's a lot of defensemen. Uh, if you're if we're reading these reports right, as we're frantically hitting refresh <laughs> um, on our on our Twitter machines and our um, you know our, our Instagrams, but I, I just I feel like. Um, there may be some flips in the defenseman, but other than that, like this is just crazy. They're not spending a lot of money. Is there a Canadian Screen Award for most awkward interview? Yeah, maybe it would be uh, the Leafs with Jared McCann, Tim McCallum <laughs> uh, with Ron Francis, or the Edmonton Oilers fan base with Adam Larson. Now that he's gone. Don't even start with me on that one. <laughs> you lose possibly your second pairing defenseman because Clefbaum's not coming back, may never come back to this organization, and Adam Larson, it seems like a nightmare for this team right now. Um, Tim, I got to ask you about Giannis because what we saw yesterday, it was one of the most iconic, impressive, I don't even know what words to use in a game-clinching performance. 50 points, 14 boards, 5 blocks. He was 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Bucks clinch this NBA title. How do you put into words what Giannis did yesterday? Yeah, I, I kept saying uh, to our digital team, we were like, we were contemplating what we were going to tweet out. And then like in the third quarter, I'm just like, we need a Giannis. We need a Giannis post because this is what he's doing right now. What he was doing going into that game, we had already kind of planned something out. Um, You know, the iconic moments weren't just in the 50-piece that he dropped. They were also in the the block, uh, in the alley-oop. There was just so much to see the growth of this still young player in a league where uh, you chase uh, championships growing into the moment. And I thought, for me, that was the coolest part of this, is that he completely grew into all this. And it didn't stop with an MVP or it didn't stop with a max contract um, where others had been stopped before. And for me, that like that's what will ring true throughout. Is like, yes, iconic 50-point performance closeout game. Yes, iconic block that will live in NBA lore. Yes, mm-hmm. alley-oop that we will reference all the time. But the build to this from a draft where, like, if you want me to read the names that went before him in that draft where he went uh, 15th overall, like Anthony Bennett, Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter, uh, Cody Zeller, Alex Len went 10 spots ahead of him, Nerlens Noel, Ben McLemore, contain, like, you need me to mm-hmm. stop. I know we don't have enough time. <laughs> uh, there's just, it's just amazing to see 
um, what someone can achieve when they just never stop working. And, and for me, that's him. Post-game, when he made the comments, and he made the comments when he signed there, he said, like, I believe in this organization. They drafted me. This is my city. I want to stay. And he signed the extension one year out of being free agency. And we all know the reports about him and Masai and maybe coming to Toronto. But he decided to stay in a small market team. He believed in them. And he pointed it out in his post-game comments. He said, you know what? I could have gone to a super team, superstar team and chased the championship, but I wanted to bring it back here. Do you think this changes the NBA landscape at all? Or are we still going to see players move? for super teams to try and chase that title yeah i think there's a i think there's a, a a type of player that does that and i think there is now a growing appreciation for uh the type of player that doesn't do that and i think listen a lot of people accuse the golden state warriors of being a super team and before they were a super team they were the golden state warriors like one of the worst franchises in all of sports, but they drafted and mm-hmm. developed well. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson got their title and had the cap flexibility to add. Like if you look at Toronto, Milwaukee, and Golden State over the last little while, like these are these are, they were perennial doormats. Like they were perennial. You'd never want to go there ever. And they're NBA champions, and they've done it in a different couple of different ways. And for me, that's good for the NBA. Like, if you didn't enjoy this year's NBA Finals, you're just not, you're, you're distracted by big, shiny things. Um, this was one of the best NBA Finals, and Giannis's performance uh, was one of the best NBA Finals performances we've ever seen, and it came from markets that we don't normally see there. So for me, uh, that makes it more interesting. So since it's a day of spoiler alerts, will you be playing the Masai Ujiri video from the draft behind the scenes trying to get a trade done and everybody knowing he's talking about trying to get Giannis and it ultimately not coming to fruition in Milwaukee selecting the player? Yeah, that's... uh, uh, I feel like for Masai, like, I remember when that came out, like, it looked so good on Masai. (laughs) That... I mean, listen, there are 14 teams that uh, that passed on Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, although I will say that the Toronto Raptors draft and development has been wonderful. But uh, I felt like that video was uh, was very smartly placed by the Raptors mm-hmm. organization mm-hmm. and maybe one Masai Ujiri. We knew. We knew. We knew. Give yeah, the man we knew. all the money. Give the man all the money. Hey, Timmy. <laughs> Their stuff happened fast and furious here, so you're going to have to get that instituted into your show today. We will let you go now. Congratulations on the award. I know you don't focus too much on it. It's a reflection of the team as well. Thank you very much for another award-winning interview with us. Yeah, I've always said it was always award-eligible. Now I got one. I got one. Yeah, you do, and you're not letting go. Just like Giannis, you're going to be going through the drive-thru and, and ordering your – what did he 50 order? Pieces. 50 pieces. 50 today? pieces. Yeah, 50 pieces. <laughs> not 51. I want to make sure there's 50 and there, the trophies and the seatbelt in the back. Thanks, buddy. Uh, be well, guys. Take care. That is Tim McAuliffe, Canadian Screen Award winner now. We tease him, yes. but he's, he's very good at what he does, and we love having him on this show every single week, and we can go so many different directions with him, NHL, NBA, you name it. We haven't even touched on any of the Olympics. I'm sure at some point we'll get into that today because Canada is underway at the Olympics and yes. had a very good result <laughs> late last night, early this morning, depending on where you're watching. I suppose the result came in early this morning, no matter where you were watching, and then in my estimation, a very disappointing 
result based on the game that unfolded, even though it doesn't really impact the chances of the Canadian women's soccer team. But we can get to that take. There's a pretty big rumor out there right now in the National Hockey League. And we won't know the answer until tomorrow unless sources get a hold of it. We'll tell you what that is next and why changing one letter in your last name is worth a million bucks. I'll explain on the other side. It's Rintoul and Sermon. You're listening to Rintoul and Sermon. Just another reason to tune in tonight, Karen. Just another reason to tune in. Macklemore. I don't think that's the hook for okay. most people, but... Which, which one's this, Greg? It's glorious, I believe. If I'm not okay, mistaken. My favorite, Instrumental I version. Thro- I think I've thrown out mine a couple of times. I would like a request for downtown at some point. <laughs> That's my favorite Macklemore song. Well, we've talked more Macklemore this week than I thought after Jamie went on his anti-Macklemore rant <laughs> earlier this week. The judge off for a few days. Our Shohei Otani is being left off the roster. He's on the DL, if you will. But for rest purposes, more than anything else, he deserves himself a vacation. It's Rintoul and Sermon. It's all of you. And keep those texts coming in. Much like everything that's been breaking over the last couple of hours, we're trying to keep them in order, and we want to get them into the program. A lot of the list has been revealed as to which players are going to be selected by the Seattle Kraken. What we don't know, and we're not going to find out until tomorrow, and this is what's going to make next year's show or pardon me, next next day's show, tomorrow's show, fun as well. The trade freeze lifts tomorrow, and I believe it's at 1 p.m. Eastern. So when the mm-hmm. trade freeze lifts, I'll have to confirm that time, but I believe it's when the trade freeze lifts that now we're going to find out about some of the side deals. And just to give you an idea of some of the rumors that are out there, the New York Rangers are going to lose Colin Blackwell unless there's a side deal. So Rick... Campanello, who reports on the Rangers, has for a very long time. I've had him on the show, in fact. Here's the tweet from Carpanello. Hearing Seattle is going to take Colin Blackwell, but there could be a trade in the works that changes the pick and allows the Rangers to keep Blackwell. Mm-hmm. And the speculative part in his tweet is, say, Mark Giordano, a player that we know is going to be selected by the Kraken. That's been confirmed by multiple sources. That is no surprise. We've been expecting that for quite some time. Could Mark Giordano be flipped, even though many people have speculated that he would be the first captain in the history of the Seattle Kraken? Yeah, he could. And maybe Rick is wrong on his speculation here, but this is just an idea of some of the stuff that's out there in the ether. Wasn't that one of the most obvious speculations, Scott, when it came to the Seattle Kraken taking Mark Giordano, or discussed at least in the past? Like, for them to say, retain a little bit of that cap hit and trade him to potentially a cup contender who needs a veteran defenseman, not maybe a top pairing, but can play a little bit down the lineup. He gets good in all situations, uh, especially on the defensive side of things. Like, New York Rangers are not a cup contender, but they're still someone that's trying to improve their team, trying to improve their roster, trying to push for the playoffs next year. We know Chris Drury probably has that mandate from James Dolan, which is why he made the decisions he made this offseason or before actually the season ended and making those firings. So, and hey, maybe Gerard Gallant sees a Mark Giordano and wants him on his team. He knows what um, it was like on an expansion team. Maybe they can pry him away and that's an asset that Ron Francis can use. So it wouldn't surprise me if Mark Giordano does get flipped because that's been one of the more obvious speculative things to come from them taking a Mark Giordano from the Calgary Flames. This text comes in. Colorado could lose Don Scoy, who is going to be the pick, according to insiders out of Colorado. Landis Cog, who's an unrestricted free agent, and we don't know what his future holds. And Brandon Saad this summer, almost assuredly he's not going to be back in Colorado. That's going to hurt 
says this text. Yes, and it's all how do you replace? How do you replace? If, for example, Donskoy, as expected, is lost, Landis Cog, let's say he doesn't re-sign and he goes somewhere else and Saad come off the books. Well, you can use your money in other ways. And this is how some of these teams have to be looking at it. And really, as a fan, doesn't this come back to your faith in management? In Calgary, for example, all right, they didn't trade Mark Giordano at the deadline. They weren't able to find the right suitor leading up, even though he might be able to fetch some assets for Seattle in this case. Well, how do you use the cap space now? How do you use the cap space to improve your team? Because now you might be able to bring on a contract, not just in a free agent signing, Karen, but in a trade where you go, all right, we can take a little more salary back than we thought because, Mm -hmm. well, we didn't want to lose our captain. We did. This is the reality we're living with right now. How do we use that asset to our advantage? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways that Ron Francis and other general managers can go with it, and that's why... Like, trades can't be announced until, what time is it tomorrow, Scott? 10 a.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Eastern, one of those two times. So we're going to find out tomorrow what else is going to shake down. And we know Vegas did it in the past. We expect Ron Francis to do now. I just want to go back to Gabriel Landeskog just for a second because do we think that he's gone from Colorado? Like, what do you think when you think about this? Because I understand that, yes, they have to get Kale McCarr done. I understand that all eyes are pointing towards a big extension and the cap hit that Nate McKinnon's going to get uh, next year. But... I, I understand his feelings may be hurt, but do we still think that Joe Sackett's going to let their captain walk away? I I don't know. I just, I, I'm trying to wonder if maybe now Landis Gog talked to Seattle, kind of see what the market was out there, and maybe it's not what he thought it would be. Like, he's going to make it to free agency. I understand that on July 28th, but I just wonder if maybe there's something out there that has him going back to to Colorado. If I were to handicap it, yes. I've believed all along that he would end up back with the team that drafted him, the team that he has captained for the last nine years. But, as has been mentioned many times by the likes of Elliot Friedman, once emotion gets involved, it can be difficult mm-hmm. to separate it from the equation. It's why you have an agent, but that doesn't mean feelings aren't real. And if you feel undervalued for any reason, maybe there is a move. I think odds on are he ends up back in Colorado. But is there a possibility he doesn't? Like, we thought that with Alex Petrangelo for a really long time. Well, Mm -hmm. they're not actually going to part ways with Alex Petrangelo. Eventually, they'll get this done. This is their captain. This is a guy that wants to be there. He just wants to be shown the love. Eventually, Mm -hmm. he found a different home in Vegas, and he's pretty happy he did. So, yeah, I can see a world where Landis Cog isn't back there. But if I'm handicapping it, I think he is back with the Avalanche next season. Two things that we haven't mentioned either, Scott. They don't involve the expansion draft. Taylor Hall apparently re-signing Boston four years, $6 million per. That's the speculative um, new deal that he's going to get. Probably not what he thought he would get after signing that one-year show-me deal in Buffalo. But I do think it's where he wanted to be, right? I mean, he did give Buffalo the list of teams that he was willing to be traded to. And when Buffalo or Boston came into the scenario, that's basically all Kevin Adams had to deal with. And that was Boston. And so four years, six mils. And Mike Smith, <laughs> at the age of whatever he is right now, is apparently signing a two-by-two contract to stay with the Edmonton Oilers. Well, you should be the oh, one joy. to react to that. Mike Smith was very, very good for the Edmonton Oilers this season. He was better than expected. Do you have any issue with giving him an extra year here? He was seeking it. Obviously, the Oilers wanted to do a year-by-year type of thing, veteran type of contract. It's a 35-plus contract, so it will have to be paid out in its entirety no matter what happens with Mike Smith this coming season. So, yes, he had a very good year last year. He led the Oilers to where they were in the playoffs. Obviously, didn't go the way they wanted it to. I'm more of, okay, if you got Mike Smith on a two-by-two, 
you got to get rid of Miko Koskinen somehow. They haven't done any buyouts. The rumors are James Neal or Miko Koskinen. It's more likely James Neal, or they go two goaltenders to buy out. You can't return with that goalie du- duo, though, Scott. You just can't. And the Edmonton Oilers with a aging Mike Smith, you do need to get a solid 1B, I think, with him, just in case he gets injured. He, we saw he started the year injured for the Oilers. I don't know what kind of workload he can have uh, in the next two years, that being, what, 39, 40, 41 by the end of this deal. So I do think there's more moves to be made, but it just strikes me as uh, I would have liked to have seen a one by 2 and just go year by year with him. But his agent said he, we had him on. He's in one of the greatest shapes of his life. He stays in shape, and he should be good moving forward. So, I don't know. I like the one-year deal, but if it's two-by-two, two, at least the salary, it's not that bad. The agent you're referring to is Kurt Overhart, who we had on this program last week. It's Rentool, it's Sermon. Just to give you an idea of what is out there as far as expansion draft selections from the Canadian teams. Looks like Cole Lind from Vancouver, not Braden yep. Holpe. Does Holpe move afterward to another team? We'll wait and see. A lot of Canucks fans eyes will be on that mark giordano we've told you that you've known that for quite some time he's going adam larson will be the pick out of edmonton he has reached a contract with the seattle kraken it's a four by four so the oilers lose a d-man they wanted back they lose a d-man that many teams were interested in, including the vancouver canucks is there a deal to be brokered afterwards i'm not sure but he's going to get four by four to head to seattle winnipeg will lose mason appleton not dylan Demello. I thought it would be DeMello as they loaded up on D. And be very clear here, Seattle is loading up on D, but Mm -hmm. it's not all the same D we speculated. So it'll be Mason Appleton, who is a very good value player up front and will fit in Seattle seamlessly, I would think. Ottawa, Joey Decord is going to be the selection, not Chris Tierney, the center. So there's one of the goalies that the Kraken is going to take. The Toronto Maple Leafs, this has been bandied about for quite some time. They go out and they trade for Jared McCann. Gives them some insulation against losing Alex Kerfoot, the player most thought they were going to lose. It looks like it will, in fact, be Jared McCann who is taken by the Seattle Kraken. And last but certainly not least, it's not going to be Carey Price. It's going to be Kale Fleury. So did the bluff work? Was there a side deal in place? We'll wait for all of that to unfold, but it is not going to be Carey Price heading to the Pacific Northwest, the home state of his wife and where he increasingly spends a lot of his offseason. Hayden Fleury also, Kale Fleury's brother, Anaheim Mighty Ducks, Anaheim Ducks apparently, that's the player that is going to be selected from the Seattle Kraken, so they're going to be reunited together. Uh, Cole Lind, Ian McIntyre just said, uh, tweeted out that Canucks and Kraken did talk about Braden Holtby, but believe that Vancouver not interested in one retaining salary or adding a sweetener, that's why Cole Lind was the logical pick from the Seattle Kraken. You saw how well one flurry worked out for Vegas. How about two flurries? What could happen? Is that the difference between getting a cup in your inaugural season and not, Karen? I would suggest that the flurry that they did get is maybe better than the two other flurries equal at this point in their careers, Scott. I would. That's nah, going out on a limb. That's really going out on a limb there by you. <laughs> but hey, I'm just. I, I've been called obvious in the inbox before. I'm just going to use my captain obvious. <laughs> I think Marc Andre Fleury at that point in his career, a little bit more important than what was uh, what the Hayden Fleury and Kale Fleury are equal to. The, uh, teams that are not being. Uh, we don't know their picks yet. Detroit Red Wings. We don't know. Uh, that's one of the teams, Scott. Uh, Stevie Y keeping his close to uh, the vest. Buffalo Sabres haven't really announced it, but a player did put it out there on Instagram and then deleted that Instagram post. So apparently Buffalo's pick is, I mean, I don't really 
do we really care at this point who Buffalo's pick is? Is there any other players that have been Tampa Bay? We've got Yanni Court, apparently. New York Rangers. Do we have who that is yet? Did I see that one? I don't Colin know. Colin Blackwell is the player expected, right. but as Rick Campagnolo reported, maybe there's a side deal in place and it means they get to retain Blackwell and they end up moving other assets and something else comes back from Seattle. Those are the deals that are going to unfold. Some of them during our show tomorrow, as mentioned, 10 a.m. West Coast time, which is where Seattle calls home. Mountain time, that's 11 tomorrow. That's when the trade and roster freeze lifts. So we'll learn of some of those deals and we'll start to see some transactions on the show. We didn't expect Chicago. to learn this much today. We didn't expect to learn this much no. today this early, did we, Karen? No, we had a basketball guest scheduled to join us uh, in about oh, 15 minutes' time, but we're going to change that, Scott, because of the fact that kind of Giannis and the NBA Finals are being pushed to the back burner because all of this is coming in fast and furious. I honestly thought we would have a tough day, and you and I were talking uh, yesterday, like, what do we do to fill the time if we don't know anything? We had a bunch of fun little exercises that we were going to do, not expecting to have anything come down. Well, guess what? It's been busier than Frank Saravelli and the insiders. I got to give the other insiders credit, but it was Frank that's like, he's not associated to any of the rights holders anymore. So it's like, I'm just going to go all woge with Yahoo. Uh, there's a poll question for you. Who had a better day, the Seattle Kraken or Frank Saravelli? It was a big day for the Valley brand. He had an excellent day. By the way, those two teams you mentioned, Will Borgen expected to be the pick out of Buffalo. John Quenville expected to be the selection out of Chicago. Still waiting on so the just Red Detroit. Wings. <laughs> Troy Stetcher was a name that was out there. A lot of people thought it would be Troy Stetcher. Maybe it ultimately will be. You mentioned Giannis. We should give him a little bit of airtime here. We'll get a, more, some, a little more airtime later on in the program. But let's get to what they're saying. I asked you last week. Are people missing a great NBA Finals? I think a lot of people did. This was a really good Finals. It just didn't have the sizzle coming in. And I wonder how many people regret not tuning in earlier because of the show that Giannis Antetokounmpo put on because of what Milwaukee did. Second time this postseason, they come back from an 0-2 deficit in a series. They go four straight here. He was incredible. And what a way to cap this, Karen. 50 points in the closeout game. They were down at halftime. They didn't have a very good second quarter. He comes no. out, dominates the second half. Chris Middleton was big down the stretch as well. Two players who've been together in Milwaukee for eight years together. And despite everybody telling them, get the hell out of there, go somewhere else, they stuck it out, and boy, did it pay off. Paid off with an NBA title and showing everyone that, you know what, we can beat the super teams and... You can argue the super team was a little injured in the Brooklyn Nets, but I look at this team and I look at Giannis and yeah, we can talk about the performance last night. It was phenomenal, Scott. It was incredible. It was iconic. But don't you just, you watch Giannis and you just feel kind of drawn to him. Like he's so genuine in everything that he says. I mean, he used the word tinkle in an interview. You saw his reaction post game. He found his family. He was almost in disbelief at one point. Then the realization that he won, he's sitting there on the chairs and he's crying, and it's almost like a relief, like, I did it. We did this for the city of Milwaukee. The city of Milwaukee. This is not New York. This is not Los Angeles. This is not Golden State. This is the city of Milwaukee. And you have to think that I think even a ton of uh, players around the league, a ton of fan bases around the league, you have to be happy for him because there's just really nothing that you can dislike about this guy. Multiple sports. Multiple sports. Like, if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan, you should say, okay, 
if that can happen in basketball, why can't it happen here? And, yes, I know you need more players than your single superstar like you do in the NBA, but that's what you should be hoping right now when you see a story like this because it is a really good story. And as likable and as humble and as excellent as Giannis is, it doesn't mean he won't take a shot. And he took one last night at the podium, and it's not the only thing he said. We'll get to his emotional comments later in the program. But here's what he said about sticking it out in mm-hmm. Milwaukee and doing this the hard way. Coming back, I was like, this is my city. You know, they, they trust me. They believed in me. They believed in us. Even when we were like, we were lost, the city still was like on our side. And, um, you know, obviously I, want, I wanted to get the job done. You know, uh, they, but that's my stubborn side. Like, it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go, I I don't put anybody in the spot, but I could go to a super team and, you know, just do my part and win a championship, still one. But this is the hard way to do it and this is the way I chose to do it. And we did it. Did it. We did it, man. I don't believe that a championship is easy. You can't just gift a championship to a super team or players that get together and have the star-studded status. I do agree this is the much harder way, especially in today's NBA and especially in a small market. And he was willing to sit there last night and he was willing to put that out there, which is a direct shot at some of his rivals, isn't it? I think it is. I think it is a direct shot, but it's almost like you can't really take it too poorly with him, Scott, because it's just like he says it so just, well, I could have gone, but I just generally wanted to stay with Milwaukee. When he signed December 15th, 2020, he tweeted this out. He's like, this is my home. This is my city. I'm blessed to be able to be a part of the Milwaukee Bucks for the next five years. Let's make these years count. The show goes on. Let's go get it. Five years, $228 million Milwaukee gave him. All of that is guaranteed. It's $45 million per season. He took a gamble. He stayed in Milwaukee. As you mentioned, Chris Middleton has been there since Giannis has in 2013. It's an incredible feat that he was able to pull off because it took LeBron. First NBA. He didn't win his first NBA finals. He couldn't do it with Cleveland. Took him to Miami to put the big three together. And it took him to do that to win his first NBA title. And with Giannis, you could argue the fact that things fell the way they did with injuries. Doesn't matter. It's it's survival of the fittest to win the NBA title. You see injuries every year. Maybe not to as big as superstars as you did this year, but he still had to stay healthy. He had to get there. And let's not mention he wasn't healthy to start the NBA finals. I mean, we were going to hear what his knee and how bad that knee injury was, and he played through that. But it's just so impressive that... You decide to stay and you bring a title to the team that drafted you, that took a chance on you, this kid out of Greece who had never left Greece until three weeks prior to the NBA draft. Like, it's just an incredible story. He stayed, they paid, and boy, did he play. He was so good in this finals, definitive performance. Now joins Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon as the only players in NBA history to win a most valuable player, defensive player of the year, and finals MVP. He grabbed that last one last night. Pretty illustrious company to be in for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Of course, there's another side to this story, and that side is Chris Paul. Finally got to the NBA finals, but his history is littered with series that have gotten away and not being able to get it done. We all know he's going straight into the Hall of Fame, and we can have the debate as to where he ranks among the all-time point guards, but this is a guy who had his team up 2-0 in the finals. They couldn't mm-hmm. close the deal again. Here's Chris Paul on being the on being the, on the other side of this, finally getting there, not getting it done, and what happens next? What does it feel like? I feel like we just lost. 
You know what I mean? So, yeah. Knowing that for so long you worked to get to this point, is there any solace in, hey, I've had this experience no. and I can learn from it and I might get back here? Um, I mean, it'll take, it'll take a while to process this or whatnot, but it's the same mentality. Get back to work. You know what I mean? I ain't retiring, if that's what you're asking. That's out. So, you know, back to work. A lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. I know they got there, but, hey, we can say this with Milwaukee. You can say this about the Toronto Raptors. Like, the path has to unfold in a certain way. There will always be people yeah. who are going to say, well, look, if Golden State's healthy, Toronto doesn't win. doesn't matter. Golden State wasn't healthy, and Toronto did win. If Kevin Durant had one of his sidekicks available, maybe they don't get pat. doesn't matter. They weren't. Phoenix had the road laid out before them this year with a lot of the injuries in the West with the way things felt. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away from the excellent year they had, Karen, but it just gets so much more difficult after this, especially at this stage of Chris Paul's career. 36 years old. He had 26 points, went 11 for 19, shooting five assists. Scott, he's played 16 years, took him 16 years to finally get to the NBA Finals. He does have a $44.2 million option for next season. Does he decide to stay with the Phoenix Suns and build on what they are building there or grow with what they're building there? Or does he decide to do? And I mean... We talk about super teams. We talk about <laughs> would he the Los Angeles Lakers very like very much like a Chris Paul to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, another big three for LeBron James. Like I could totally see Chris Paul chasing a title. I'm I said I was impressed with the fact that Giannis stayed with Milwaukee. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul leaves for a super team because for him at the age of 36, it just makes sense at this point. Kind of funny you guys are talking about people regretting not watching the NBA Finals when you both have talked a few times about how boring the Finals and the matchup were. No, we said there was no sizzle. The Finals themselves we didn't say were boring. We said that there wasn't the appeal there generally is in the NBA Finals. As this series began to unfold, the basketball was excellent, and it's a point we've made repeatedly. If you were there for the hoops... Instead of the hype, you got what you signed up for. And if you just needed to be on the hype, tra hype train to get yourself invested, then I do believe you missed out a little bit here. I think the point is still valid. There wasn't a lot of sizzle going into this, and that's why people didn't get invested and maybe didn't even tune in last night. I have no idea. I can tell you this. 65,000 people packed that deer district Holy last cow. night. What a scene in Wisconsin. That was wild. I think everybody in Wisconsin was there, Scott. I think uh, they all drove down from all parts and points of that that state. Did you see the one picture that was being floated around? The scene of all these people and one porta potty. I was like, <laughs> I feel sorry for the people and that porta potty because it's going to take a beating. Holy cow! Might want to have a little. I'm sure there were more than that, but it's just the scene of all these massive people and one bathroom for them to go to. That's always my question, though with these big like with these big events and I wasn't you know part of the Vancouver 2011 downtown watching outside but like what happens if you do have to go to the bathroom can you get back to your spot can you find your family again can you find your friends because of all these throngs of people you're gonna have to go to do you pull a dumb and dumber like what do you do you find a bathroom is what you do <laughs> or you just are in the state where you dumb and dumber Seem to go wherever. The Deer District becoming the Pier District, I suppose, is what you're suggesting last night. Kevin Weeks is down in Seattle. He's grabbing fish. He's making selections. He's part of the broadcast tonight on ESPN, and he will join us next on Rintoul and Sermon. Now back to Rintoul and Sermon. We're going to head down to Seattle in just a couple of minutes. 
We asked the question earlier. Are you still going to watch? I am for sure. It's not even a question to me. I'm watching this. I don't know how many people are turned off by a lot of the names coming out. If that was the only reason you were watching, that's surprising to me. It is. Because you don't need a program for that, Karen. You just need to check a list every once in a while, log on to social media. And it's happening much earlier than expected. I understand mm-hmm. why people wanted it all to come in one tidy package. I would have preferred that. Sure, I would have preferred that. But this is what happens in today, day, today's day and age. There are very few things that are left as secrets anymore. This text comes in, instead of talking about Seattle for a couple of hours, it's all day now. Not sure this wasn't intentional, Scott. I do tend to think that maybe, I don't think this is coming from Ron Francis. You mentioned it earlier. He's a vault, and we're going to get Kevin Weeks on, who knows uh, Ron Francis very well. They're good friends, and he said, like, he is a vault. He does not divulge anything, so I doubt this is Seattle wanting to do it. It's probably agents and other teams that are letting these out there, but once you see the trickle-down effect, it's like, okay, this team did it well. I guess I'll let my uh, my pick be out there as well because I don't want to be the only one holding it in, except for Steve Eiserman. He's the only one that apparently wants to keep it quiet from uh, the rest of the world finding out other than Seattle. Tonight, this has star power. It's got pageantry. It's got creativity. I'm watching for sure. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Kevin Weeks will be a part of the broadcast. He of ESPN joins us now from the Emerald City. Kevin, thank you very much for doing this today. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Yeah, thank you so much for the kind intro. It's uh, it's been awesome. The buzz here is great, and I'm sure you can feel the echo in uh, in the Pacific Northwest here, since you know these are sister and brother cities between Van and Seattle here. So it's an exciting time for our league, our sport, of course, the fans here in the Pacific Northwest. I think it's amazing, and all eyes of the world are going to be on Seattle uh, later on this afternoon and into this evening. It'll be amazing. So we have some listeners who are a little bit aggrieved that. A lot of these picks are out there that NHL insiders have been able to break some of this long before you guys actually get to air tonight. Is that a big deal in your mind? I mean, many of those women and men and people are friends of mine, too, and they've got a job to do. I think, you know, there's always a balance that you can try to strive to hit. I think what was probably a little more disappointing is uh, when we were filming at Pike Place with, uh, with ESPN the other day and some of the fans that were in attendance, and many of them, not only here from Washington State, there were some, you know, from Sycamus, BC. We had some from Sudbury, some from Switzerland, Japan, like literally fans from all over the world, really. And 99.9% of them were amazing. And then the one person tried to be a hero and leaked that video, mm-hmm. in which case they had all agreed to the fact that they weren't going to leak any information. And of course, you know, it always takes somebody to try to step up and, and be a clown in the classroom. And uh, that was a little bit more disappointing to me because a lot of that was done in good faith. And, and we want our fans to be such a huge part of the story because, you know, the NHL fans around the world, not only here and in the region, but they're a huge part of the soundtrack. And, and we love what, and appreciate them for what they bring to the table. So I thought that was bad form in that sense. But uh, aside from that, you know, they have a job to do as far as the insiders go. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of them were on fire today, if you will. And as I said, I'm friends with a lot of them, but all that to say, I, I think it still sets up for what's going to be a historic night, an iconic night uh, with what's soon to be an amazing franchise here in Seattle. And, and our fans will get a chance to not only see who the picks are, but get a flavor for who the people are, the men and women uh, behind the scenes that are in this great organization.
Well, it's going to give us even more of a flavor of the organization as well. We see some of the star power that's going to be enlisted to help with the broadcast tonight. Jerry Bruckheimer's behind this. Seattle is sparing no expense. I know you're not going to reveal everything that's happening on the broadcast, but give us a little bit of the flavor as to what fans are going to see tonight. Well, I, I like the way that you're able to uh, to preview that. You're spot on with that. I, I had a chance to sit down with the great Jerry Bruckheimer at dinner the other night. Uh, he's a part of their ownership group for the fans that might not know. And in speaking to him, you know, I remember teammates of mine and guys that I played against literally the last 20 years and probably prior to that that were playing in his uh, celebrity game, his Jerry Bruckheimer celebrity charity game, hockey game in the summer, his little tournament that he had. And Jerry told me, he said, Weezy, listen, I've been trying to, I've been endeavoring to buy an NHL team for 15-plus years. It's finally come together. And when you look at all the amazing movies and TV series he's done, uh, some of his fingerprints will be on this uh, in terms of the production, as you just alluded to. And it will be airing both on Sportsnet back home in Canada and here at home in the U.S. Uh, and on the global scale. So it's going to have a lot of that. The production value is going to be high. Uh, you mentioned the star power. There have been a lot of different stars from, from sports and entertainment and music that will be a part of it. And also just the anticipation, too, of, of the players that may or may not be attending, but the ones that I've spoken to, different people around the league. Uh, there's different, you know, when you grow up playing this game, I've got friends literally all over the world, Switzerland, Sweden, Germany, Finland, Russia, that I played with as a kid playing minor hockey that, you know, they're all they're all plugged in. They're like, we can't wait to watch it. We're going to tune in. We're, we're pumped up. So I just think it's a great time for our sport. And, you know, I've been bullish on this on this market for a long time. And this market, as I said, stretches up to the Pacific Northwest, north of us here specifically in Van and, and greater B.C. And, and uh, Oregon, Alaska, you name it. I just think this, this whole corridor has a huge passion for our sport and our game and our league. And it's nice to add another team. Uh, to this area. It's going to be awesome. Kevin, I know you've talked to quite a bit of the people within the Seattle organization. You've mentioned, you know, how close you are with Ron Francis. Now, Seattle did a ton of mock drafts leading up to this. Hundreds plus, they said. And when they saw the production list that came out on Saturday, were there any big surprises? I mean, I guess Carey Price is a surprise to all of us. I don't know if that's a surprise to Ron Francis, but was there any surprises that names that were out there or maybe protected? I think your your native uh, BC native from Anaheim Lake BC, Carey Price, was the biggest surprise for me. I mean, you know, I for what he's meant to that franchise, the the most iconic franchise in our league, the, the winningest, most Stanley Cups in, in league history, the Montreal Canadiens, and to be one of the best goalies in their franchise history, I was shocked that he was uh, left unprotected, and you know, I was pretty actually bullish on Seattle selecting him. We'll see where that goes later today, but. I I was shocked by that one. That was the biggest shocker to me. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're right. They have run a lot of different mock draft models internally here with the Kraken Talkie Ops Department and their analytical department, which, by the way, are very integrated. Uh, I've spoken to different people in their Hockey Ops group, their senior executive group, ownership group, and they've been, I mean, they've gone through hundreds of, of different mock drafts, which, you know, it speaks to their preparation. Of course, this is unique because you're doing mock drafts around becoming an expansion team. Uh, I know the excitement of being on an expansion team. I was drafted by an expansion franchise. Uh, they developed me. They gave me the opportunity to play in the league in the Florida Panthers. So uh, these are these are really exciting times. They're really exciting times for their group internally, their fans, of course, and their soon-to-be players and their staff. There's there's such a buzz around Seattle. And as I said, I know a lot of the people up in BC have spent a lot of time here and vice versa. 
Uh, but it's a uh, it's a real exciting time. That October twenty third date against the, the Canucks, I think, is going to be amazing. And what's so cool about it is you've heard me say on your show before is anybody that's played this game knows that you don't or any sports you don't weaponize sports against people. Sports are about people, and it's about bringing people together, unifying people. It's about families being at the rink or the baseball diamond or whatever the case may be, and and families play it and live it and breathe it. So I think this just uh, expands our our NHL family by one other valued member, and now we're going to have 32 teams in the league. I hadn't seen that anywhere, that the Canucks and Kraken would play on October 23rd. So you came on here and broke some news today for us. <laughs> that's that's uh, It's been broken by other people, but that's that's my understanding as of now. So if if I get it wrong, you did, it wasn't me that got it wrong. <laughs> I don't draft the schedule. That's my disclaimer, so. Um, but that's that's the thought. So all that to be all that to be said. I, I just think it's really an exciting time. It really is, you know, for the people that that have lived and traveled here and and traveled in the, in this area and, and been a part of it. I can tell you, like this this franchise is they've spent over two billion U.S. dollars to date, and it's counting between the arena over a billion dollars. Uh, I was in there yesterday with Todd Liwicki and Tim Liwicki of their group. It's the best arena I've ever been in in the world yet to date. I know there's there's other new buildings that are being built, but to date, I literally went on an hour and fifteen minute tour from event arena level with uh, with Tim Lawicki and Todd all the way up to the ground level, which is the roof level, and I was blown away. I literally was blown away. My suit was soaked, my dress shirt was soaked, and I didn't want the tour to end. So that's how impressed I was by it. And the practice facility is. Uh, approaching $100 million, which is going to have three sheets for minor hockey, adult rec hockey, learn to play, full community center, uh, state-of-the-art training facility for the for the community and also for, for the Kraken themselves. Uh, their investment in this in this city and their partners, Amazon, Starbucks, and everybody else, uh, Alaska Airlines, they've done an amazing job. Like I really respect the business side because not everybody can play, and there are other ways where people can be great on the business and in the community, and they're hitting those high notes right now. I'm very impressed. Kevin Weeks is not the NHL schedule maker. He is an NHL insider, former goaltender in the National Hockey League as well. With ESPN, will be a big part of the broadcast tonight. He joins us here today on Rintoul and Sermon. All right, you may have more insight to this than we do, but I get the sense that tomorrow when that trade freeze lifts and the roster freeze lifts, we're going to see <laughs> some, some deals going down. Do you have that same sense that it's going to be fast and furious on Thursday? Yeah, it's going to have to be. I mean, li- literally, the uh, it, the starting line, and once that starting the starting whistle, if you will, goes off, or the face off, or the uh, to lift that trade moratorium, I think it's going to be fast and furious. A lot of teams, keep in mind, a lot of teams are going to have to figure out where they are at post expansion, post Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, now they'll get an idea of what the landscape looks like. Plus, the entry draft. Is literally within two days. I'm literally jumping on a red eye plane uh, out of Seattle, back home to New York and Jersey to uh, to to be on TV tomorrow for the start of the preparation of the draft. And then, of course, the draft is on on the 23rd, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And and a short window after that's the first round, and the second round will be on the 24th. But I'll be working the first day and a lawyer on ESPN and also on uh, Sportsnet back at home in Canada. And then five days from that is NHL free agency. And I'll be doing that for TSN. So every general manager that I've spoken to, um, players that are pending free agents, players that are just excited to see what's going on, uh, agents, 
everybody in the business knows that this is about to get even crazier than it's been in this last uh, 24 hours. So I think that makes it really exciting, though. It's exciting for all the fans, uh, all the corporate partners. And I think when you can have a really good offseason with a lot of movement, just like a good trade deadline, it just adds a shot of adrenaline into the arm of, of all of us that are a part of the game and the league and, and our fans and stuff. So I think it'll be sweet. I know the actual business can't be done until tomorrow, but do you believe we're going to see side deals revealed throughout today, or are, that, are those not going to come to light until tomorrow, whether they're between Seattle to not take a player or that there was a side deal in place, hey, can you take that player, and then we'll work something afterwards? Yeah, from my understanding, is I don't know that there are any of those right now. Um, I don't know that there are any of those in place around the expansion right now to date at this press time right now. 10:44 Pacific time. Uh, could some of those could some of those evolve starting tomorrow, perhaps? Uh, and but I think in addition to that, other teams have to get their business affairs in order. Like keep in mind, right? This has been such an unprecedented year. I've come on with you. You've been kind enough to have me on numerous times. And think of all the people that have been affected. You know, local businesses, big business, small business, mom and pop stores. Uh, you know, people in the in the employment sector, in different parts of it. And that hasn't, you know, our business hasn't gone unaffected as a league and as a sport. You know, this is unprecedented. So for some for some clubs, maybe their uh, their financials are a little more in order based on their ownership position. That might allow them to spend more. You look at what Montreal did last offseason. And I said right from then and at the start of the year in the preview show on the NHL Network that Montreal is going to be a serious team because they had a great offseason last year. And that's because their ownership was in a position to do that, and they made that commitment. So right now, coming out of COVID, where are teams, how are they uh, positioned from a capital standpoint? What do they have available to spend on players and staff? What does that look like? Plus the salary cap's flat at $81.5 million too. The salary cap with a flat cap forces teams to have to make hard decisions, like Tampa, for example, uh, among others. So it sets up a lot of intrigue. I know one thing. You know, we always talk about the offseason in uh, in the NFL. For those of you that are football fans, and presumably back there, a lot of them are Seahawks fans up in BC and in this region. But we always talk about the offseason of football and how they keep the conversation going, even when the games aren't being played. And what I like about the evolution of our sport now is we're we're getting to that point now to where we have this flurry of activity, and you know, fans are on their they're on their tablets, they're on their iPhones or whatever device they're on, they're on the computer, and everybody's just so engaged by what's happening and all the different movements. So I think it makes it way more exciting because the game doesn't stop when the, you know, when the, when the final buzzer ends. It's a 24-7 business. Kevin, this was thrown out there by one of our listeners in the text message inbox and said, is Seattle maybe trying to do something to make the side deal splash to try and trade for Jack Eichel, number one center, and said maybe that second overall pick is in play. In talking to the organization, I don't know if you've got a sense, but do you think it's in play or is it more important for them to get up to the podium, so to speak, on Friday and say, with the second overall pick, the first in Seattle Kraken's franchise, we, we select blah, blah. Blah, blah. Good point. I mean, you know, I can go back to my draft year where some people were wondering that about my Florida Panthers too, uh, which selected in that 93 draft that I was in. Our first selection was Rob Niedermeyer, uh, who you all know very well, him and Scotty and the amazing careers that they had. And, you know, they, they went to the podium with that pick. Fortunately, I was the second pick after that for them in the second round. But, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe there's something to be said about your inaugural draft pick 
in your inaugural year, you know, like that's pretty massive. And since I'm doing both the entry or expansion tonight and entry draft, I look at some of the players that are available in this entry draft, whether it's a Dylan Gunther from out West, um, whether it's Maddie Veneers, who's playing uh, college hockey at University of Michigan, or if it's his teammate from BC Johnson, who's playing at the University of Michigan, who's also an electric player. There's no clear defined number two, and but there are a lot of options, which makes it more intriguing. That being said, of course you got to listen to what's out there. I mean, <laughs> hey, if there's a team, if it happens to be the Buffalo Sabres around Jack Eichel, yeah, of course you kind of have to listen to that. So the best part of being in a good position, and, you know, I was fortunate to play for great general managers, some that have passed on, uh, but the great Glenn Sather, the great Lou Lamorello, to name a few, the great Jimmy Rutherford. And the best part about options is when you have them, like Seattle does, it's, it's always prudent to take your time and evaluate what's best on the table. And Seattle's starting with a zero balance sheet on their salary cap, which is huge. And they have the opportunity to look at the landscape and make what they feel are the best selections for them. So I would listen in on everything. And, and, and knowing them and having played with Ron Francis through GM, uh, they're certainly going to do that. They'll well, let's, on everything. let's see how many first-round picks they have by Friday. There could be some deals go exactly. down tomorrow where Seattle select in multiple times. We look back at the Vegas yep. draft after their expansion mm-hmm. draft, and that's what we have to compare right now. Vegas did feel it was important to step up to the podium, and they did on three occasions. Mm-hmm. Cody Glass, then they took Nick Suzuki, then they took Eric Brandstrom. Every single one of those players has been traded by that organization already because the trajectory of their franchise was changed once they were way better than they expected. Vegas is sitting there in the weeds. They're the one team that doesn't lose a player tonight. We've already seen them make one deal with Nashville, and Philly was involved in, in that deal as well. How aggressive do you expect Vegas to be over the next 10 days? I mean, if there's a great deal that's out there, for them, that makes sense. They'll make it. Look, I, I worked that expansion. Actually, that was the NHL awards. And on the back end of the expansion draft started. I didn't work the expansion draft per se. Uh, but I was backstage interviewing, you know, some of the players. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury, Derek Englund. And probably more importantly, their owner, Bill Foley, who I've developed a great relationship with. And he told me then, we see, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to be aggressive. People don't know this about me, but I lived in Canada. I spent time in Ottawa. I lived in Ottawa for a while. I know this game. I'm going to learn more about this game. I'm all in, and we want to win. We don't want a 10-year window here in Vegas. We don't want a 12. We want to win. And listen, you look at what they've done uh, and how consistent they've been right from the outset and getting to the cup final of their inaugural year. And they're well-positioned, to your point, not only for the success that they've had to date, but with the commitment from him and the ownership group and also their management. And they're sitting, they're sitting because they're so good this quickly, and because they do have, you know, a lot of uh, capital from their ownership group, they're watching. And I, I would expect them, and knowing them, they want to get better. And in speaking to them recently, they don't feel like these last two years were good enough. They felt like this was a window uh, this year for them to win the cup. They felt they had the team to do it. They weren't able to get over the hump to make that happen. And credit to what Montreal was able to do coming out of the north and beating them fair and square. And Vegas is foaming at the mouth right now. And I do know for a fact that you mentioned Jack Eichel earlier. That could be a potential landing spot for him. And I do know that there's a lot of interest from, certainly from, from Vegas, also from L.A. because they have the best prospect pool in the league and, and other clubs as well. So, yeah, I, that, the plot thickens. <laughs> 
the plot thickens for sure. It most certainly does. We know they're aggressive. We know they're creative. So nothing is out of the question when it comes to the Vegas Golden Knights. Colorado looks like they're going to lose Jonas Donskoy today. We've all been asking about Gabriel Landeskog, who, according to reports, didn't come to any type of agreement with the Seattle Kraken. Hey, maybe they circle back in free agency. If you're a betting man, where is Gabriel Landeskog playing next season? Oh, my gosh. I mean, why I can't answer that definitively, here's a couple things that I can say. A, if I was running a club, I would certainly, and a lot of my thought process through some of my interviews with teams, was about acquiring Gabe Landeskog. I've been bullish on him since he was in junior in Kitchener. Left Sweden, came to the OHL, played for the Kitchener Rangers, was the captain, had an amazing time there, came to the NHL as an 18-year-old, spent some time with him, was blown away by his maturity. And I know his level of professionalism. So all that to say, I mean, if I'm a lot of clubs, I'm looking at Gabriel Landeskog. I mean, I don't know that I don't know that Van could make it happen, and, and I'm not sure where they are in their window right now since he, he's on a cup contender in Colorado. But that's the type of player that can help change the culture of a club. Can Minnesota do it? They're doing a great job. They have got to get Kaprizov, the Calder Trophy winner. They've got to get him signed first. Can Minnesota do it? Can Vegas shuffle some pieces around and make it happen? Can the Rangers do it? You know, I'm looking at some of the better capitalized teams. Could Chicago do it? The LA Kings, you have to look at the Kings because, as I mentioned, they've got the best pool of prospects right now. Their pantry is stuffed with players. So they certainly are in a good position. You know, I'm told that the, the Leafs um, back in Toronto are looking at it, but you know, they're in a, a difficult cap situation. So uh, Gabriel Landeskog, to me, is a guy that can come in and change a culture. He's not a superstar player, but he's a really good, effective, two-way player that plays with Jam, that's a consummate professional and a first-class guy. So uh, I do know for a fact a lot of teams are interested, but those are some of the ones that I can kind of foreshadow as being the best possible fits as of now. I don't know when you can do it, but rest up. It's going to be fast. It's going to be furious. You've given us part of your travel schedule. You're going to be on the broadcast tonight. We're looking forward to all of it. Kevin, thank you very much for sharing more of your time with us here today. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I appreciate you having me on, and thanks to all the NHL hockey fans. And, Dan, if anybody has some ketchup chips, old Dutch, just shoot them across the border to me. You can send them to the hotel. I'd love a bag. Do you need any chocolate bars? Do we need to send down Crispy like crunch? an arrow? No, no, anything no. Like that? No, my dad, my dad, my dad worked at Laura Seacord, so uh, I grew <laughs> up with all the arrow bars and Kit Kat arrow bars, Smarties, and the whole deal. But chips are my vice, so um, I'm leaning in the chip direction. If anybody out there is listening, I will put you down as a savory man as opposed to a sweet one. <laughs> thank you, thank you again. Thanks for having me on. And thank uh, you, thanks, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, that is that is Kevin Weeks. Super busy day for him. Busy week for him, as he just explained. He found some time for us here today. We're very grateful. Great job by Josh Elliott Wolf getting him on the program here today. Yeah, Gabriel Landis Cog's going to be coveted. I know people wanted to see these picks come out later, but it really does start the process of what is going to be a frenetic week. I fully believe that some of that's going to go down tomorrow when that roster freeze lifts. The trades that the trades that'll happen because of the draft the next day, they're going to be all over the place. Seattle's still going to have all this cap space, and if you need just a reminder, you should look to recent history for that. I will explain why next when we return on Rintoul and Sermon.